to Game Informer's Video Gameography, the number one video game history podcast on planet Earth, where we laugh and we learn. My name is Marcus Stewart. I'm joined by John Carson. Hello, Marcus. Wasn't that Devil May Cry podcast a wild time? It was the, the bestest. Devil May Cry 4. Yes, Devil May Cry yes. 4 was a great time that we totally have recorded and in the in the can and i love it congratulations to the super bowl winners yeah the uh the los angeles dantes they did it they beat the san they (laughs) they beat the uh, new york virgils right time time to get a new dante they have to draft a new dante we're gonna be talking about a new dante today because we are looking at dmc Devil May Cry. That is the full title of the game, officially, legally. It's what it's on its birth certificate. Colin. The DMC. L- lowercase M. Yes, lowercase M. You have to say that. D, lowercase mm. M, C, Devil May Cry. Mm. Uh, a very interesting entry in the series. Uh, you know, Devil May Cry 2, known as the, the bad game. This one, the most misunderstood entry, perhaps? We'll let you be the judge, but we're not alone. We are joined by a very lovely guest, the host of the 99 questions podcast mr bob buell how are you doing sir i am doing fantastic after that spectacular intro thank you so much for having me i'm just i'm just here doing god's work you know that's uh that's me b lowercase o capital b i didn't know if you were doing a like a jeff jarrett bit there (laughs) (laughs) but you don't have enough repeating like letters to do the i don't know double b i mean we can make it uh R O yeah, do you go by Robert? Ever? Sure. <laughs> R O single B <laughs> single B single R single T. There we go. I see what happens when you have three yeah. wrestling fans on this show. Yeah, this uh, is gonna, gonna devolve gonna... very quickly. Slap there nuts. you go. <laughs> yep. Uh, you guys can see it. John just hit someone with a guitar right in the head. It's really great. And now wood is everywhere. It's it's. I don't know why he did it, but hey, you know that that John Carson unpredictable. You never know. As we know. Uh, much like Devil May Cry, uh, th- I'm excited to talk about this one with you, Bob, because when I reached out to you for this season, uh, y- without hesitation, you asked specifically to be on this episode. Yeah. So uh, hit us. What is your history with DMC Devil May Cry? What do you think of this game? Well, let me just start by saying I'm a weirdo. So that's why I went with this game of all of all the games in the series. Um, I... <sighs> This game has an a, an odd soft soft spot in my heart. You know, it, it's is it perfect? I'm gonna go out on a limb and yes. say no. <laughs> oh, uh, okay. But I I remember the amount of hate that this got online when it first came out, and I just remembered not understanding it to a certain extent, but being like wow, there is a lot of backlash on here. And if I wanted to talk about any of them, it was this one. Uh, who wants to talk about a good game for uh, an hour and change? I want to talk about this guy. Yeah, wait, so do you not think this is a good game? Or Oh, no, no, I, I like it a lot. <laughs> but it, but it's interesting. Like, it has... It has flavor to it. Yeah. It has... Uh, it has those... those those rough edges uh, that that makes you want to talk about. Yeah, you know, 
like I said, this game was, uh, it's the black sheep, and not just because Dante has black hair, because, you know, it was... No, that's cr- Oh, that, that too. <laughs> that, that is <laughs> But it was created uh, or developed by Ninja Theory in a British studio, mm-hmm. not Capcom. You know, this was Capcom passing along one of their babies to a Western developer in an effort to uh, shake up and freshen, the, uh, freshen up the franchise, and which was met with a lot of uh, controversy and, and vitriol. By fans, you know this game came out in 2013, mm-hmm. so we're approaching the 10-year mark uh, next year for it, which is weird. It doesn't feel like wow. it's that old, but yeah, it's nine years old now. Uh, John, what do you about you? What do you think of this game? Uh, I think it's actually pretty cool. Like uh, stylistically, I really like it. At the time, I was hesitant in the change of direction for Dante. I don't think I was like up in arms like people were, but like the the whole change from white haired demon man to uh the lead singer of my chemical <laughs> romance is was a deep change uh for the character and even in like 2013 i feel like that pale uh angsty white dude aesthetic was was starting to wear thin in video games um and I, I I feel like this game probably would have uh, been accepted better and probably would uh, stand the test of time better if it was a more classic Dante design. But also, like, it's it does stand out in that way. Like, this is DMC. This is the this is the outlier. This is memorable because of that. So um, for its its faults and its changes and its whatever's like it it does uh it does make a memorable uh impression which i i think is uh to its benefit yeah i agree with that i i'm a big devil may cry fan and i vividly remember the first time they uh premiered this game in 2010 tokyo game show mm-hmm. i was in uh, game design school <clears throat> at the time college and I remember crowding around, me and my friends, uh, one of them had a laptop uh, with the, I guess, the different trailers and stuff. And we all mm. liked Devil May Cry, and we were in one of the, um, kind of the recreational rooms. And watching that trailer and watching our, like, reactions go, because at first we didn't know what it was. We see Capcom, you know, that you mm. see this this uh, emo-looking guy fighting demons. And in my mind, I'm thinking, like, okay, this looks like kind of devil may cry but it's not devil may cry clearly because that's not dante <laughs> yeah that's not dante unless they're doing a new character like like nero and then when it you know you get the big reveal where he says his name you know like dante or whatever like they're like what's your name and then you see the logo and like the graffiti uh which in hindsight is actually cool but at the time mm-hmm. i remember we were all just like what the what <laughs> like <laughs> what did what have they done to my dante and I'll admit, I was I wasn't one of the people that like went overboard with like hatred and like death threats or anything. But I was just like, oh, I don't know <laughs> about this. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I I mm-hmm. I don't know why. why. Like, and I I liked the Ninja Theory. I was a big fan of um, Heavenly Sword uh, at the time. So I was like, okay, it's cool yeah. to see that studio getting to do this, and that that makes sense. But also just like, you know, like why why can't it just be like and it, and it was like it was mostly appearance right at the end of the day it's like the most shallow thing ever of like i why can't he yeah. just look like 
like he normally does. Why can't he just have white hair? <laughs> like, well, I, I mean, it, at at that, like, yeah, it it is a shallow thing for like a character redesign, but also with that character redesign comes, uh, it, it's a complete reboot. Like, yeah. it's it's his his background's different. Like everything in the world's different for the most part. Like there's still a Virgil. Like he's still part demon. Uh, there might be other uh, heavenly bodies within him as yeah. well. But, I mean, it, it is like a, re- a rejection from Capcom of everything that's come before. Yeah. Right. I think that um, was... A- along with that character reason. Yeah. So. I think that was was part of that backlash. Uh, you know, I, I say online, but obviously there are real people who are uh, not exactly uh, feeling that, that, you know, debut trailer. Um, because they really did, you know, say, hey, everything that you loved before for these last four games... We're just going to put that off to the side for a little bit. Mm. And this is the real cool stuff. You don't know what you've been missing. And it's like, yeah, it's still it's still good. But, like, do you have to step on what came before it to get to that point? Or can you just kind of put a shiny new coat of paint on it and say, well, this is good, too? Um, yeah. I, I think that I, I think if this game was announced today, I... It's weird. I, I feel like the backlash wouldn't be as harsh in a post God of War reinvention mm, of like, sure. you know, that this game kind of did that more drastic because well. it's not, a, you know, God of War, the, the, the Norse one is, is not a reboot. It's just like a a very different sequel. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, but. God, God of War is very much like, oh, no, I like I, I'm a dad now. I've calmed down. But now I have to go back to my old ways. Yeah. Where, like, this, this, if this were announced today, like, a lot of the, the concept art for this is, like, Dante sitting all cool in a chair with, like, angels around him and one, like, hanging off of his leg. And he's, like, pointing finger guns at her head while she's, like, by his crotch. Like, that, that would be a, still a wild interpretation of, of Dante today. I think that would still... Uh, get some oh it it would i just feel like i don't know i feel like in an age of like video game reboots because this came out the same year as the tomb raider reboot which was another kind of Mm. like dramatic reinvention of a classic character i think we've seen that enough times now to where maybe we're just like you know like there was there would absolutely be people be like what the hell but i i don't i i don't think it would be as as much of a of a slap in the face i guess of like what this isn't anything I like I wanted. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, mm. but and and you know, like God of War, like I said, it was like a sequel, but they still had the same philosophy of like, let's throw out everything that we did and literally like nothing is sacred. Let's start from right. scratch, basically. It, uh and this game, you know, gameplay wise, it still very much plays like a Devil May Cry game with oh, some yeah, totally. uh tweaks that we'll get into. It really like the biggest changes are just like thematically, more than anything, and presentation wise, mm. but you know, I will say uh, when I came around to this game, because I played it, the first time I ever played it was at the 2012 San Diego Comic-Con. Uh, the first and still only Comic-Con I've ever been to. But I went over to the uh, like the PlayStation area and they had the, a demo there. And I was like, oh, I can finally play this to see how it is. Because it's like I wanted it to be good as a DMC fan. I was just like, you know, hesitant about the direction. And I remember within like, the first like few minutes of like getting into the first combat encounter being like, okay, no, this is fine. This is good. <laughs> like I, I'm cool with this. And uh, the, mm. the lead designers were there, uh, like the director uh, whose name I'm going to absolutely butcher uh, to meme. 
Ant- oh, Anton Niades, I believe is the pronounce, but he's one of the co-founders of Ninja Theory and has directed pretty much all of their big games from uh, Heavenly Sword to Hellblade. Uh, he was the director and one of the r- main writers on this game. Uh, him and a few yeah. of the other leads who I don't remember were uh, signing autographs uh, and giving out posters. And I went up to them and said, like, hey, I just I just played DMC. And I know you guys have been getting a lot of, like, crap over the last year or so. But I think it's really good and that I'm excited to play the game. And I remember looking at him. He probably made their day. Honestly, he had a look in his face where he looked like he kind of needed to hear that. Because they had been dealing with, like, fan vitriol for about two years at this point. And he's just like, wow, you know, thank you. I really appreciate that. And I still have... And on my wall over here, I can show you guys. Obviously, audio messages, you can't see it. But I have that framed DMC oh, yeah. poster. Oh, wow. That is autographed by the uh, the lead designers. But wait, I, wait. Big red alert. Uh, Marcus, I think you need to recuse yourself from this episode. Wait. Yeah. I think you're, you're in you're too in deep the pocket with of the big DMC. DMC. <laughs> big, big ninja theory. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so, I, I love this game. Basically, and I remember when it came mm-hmm. out, I, I I, think I might still argue that I think it's top three Devil May Cry. I, at the time, I remember saying that it actually might rival Devil May Cry 3 as the best one. You know, uh, I, I, I think that. I might still I mean, say that. Uh, the gameplay I, of this is so incredibly solid. I, I can't argue that. I mean, I need to go back to yeah. it. It's. I haven't played five yet, so I I don't have a complete ranking. Um, but I, um, I, as we of course talked about last week, um, I was uh, at at times I was disappointed with how four played out. Um, I felt like it got kind of repetitive, especially when you're switching, uh, from like Nero's story to Dante's story and mm-hmm. all that. But, um, yeah, I mean having this like cohesive cohesive uh, story. Um, through, throughout this game. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a single story, uh, but you go to, to just some crazy places. Right. Um, so, um, yeah, it's, and making the combat, like it is more approachable, uh, for people. Uh, the combo system is intuitive, uh, to a point, uh, which I don't know is necessarily, uh, applicable for like earlier Devil May Cry games. It, um, where it is a little bit tougher to like pull off hard, like hard combos. Like that was part of the the deal with uh, with rebooting DMC was to uh, make it so new people could enjoy the game and like do cool stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, oh, you say, Bob? No, I was gonna say it makes it incredibly easy to pull off very cool things, and some of the stylish. Uh, you know, combos you can even accidentally pull off in this game just make you feel so good walking away from it. it, it Nothing it really like does. a good accidental combo. Yeah. My favorite it's kind like of combo. I, when I go through the oh drive through and I say the wrong number and I get the food <laughs> I didn't want. <laughs> but I still liked. Uh, <laughs> that, that is the accident. The whenever you get the fry and drink. Yeah. Ex- accidentally. Yeah. You're like, whoa, I, th- I thought this was number six, but I, I guess I, I said eight. I didn't mean to get this. They sound the same. <laughs> but... <laughs> Oh yeah, let's let's dive into it, gentlemen. Let's take us back to the magical year of our Lord, 2013, the luckiest year of the 2010s, as we know. 
mm-hmm. uh, going down some of the other big releases. And we've talked about this uh, year before in our uh, Bioshock Infinite episode. Oh, yeah, it's a good year. Uh, I will. I, j- I just want to point out really quickly uh, the release date of this game, which is January 15th, which everybody on this podcast should know is John Carson's birthday. Oh, uh, so, happy birthday. Yeah, I, I probably treated myself to a copy of TMC that day. Nice. And you went, you, yeah. you dyed your hair black and went on like a bender. I was already there, baby. <laughs> oh, okay. Seriously, this is this game is just my biography. Twenty-six-year-old John. Yeah, it's just nothing. Nothing says okay. a happy birthday like a demon strip club. You know, it's uh, just a good time had by all. You uh, went into a news station and just started swinging a sword and scaring everybody. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I went through like the the cyberspace version of the the TV station. Yeah. Oh, that level's so good. Oh, we'll, we'll get so to good. it. Um, but, but yeah, uh, Bioshock Infinite, one of the big games this year. Mm-hmm. Also, this was the year that we got The Last of Us, which is getting remade mm. soon. You know, it's part one. This, yeah. Now, back then, we didn't know it was going to be a part anything. Uh, not A New Hope or whatever. It was supposed to be the last. It was supposed to be the last of us, and then they pulled a Final Fantasy on us. Once um, in a lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Grand Theft Auto V was this year another game that has existed in perpetuity <laughs> since then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got the first act of Kentucky Route Zero, as well as a double dose of Zelda in the form of A Link Between Worlds, as well as Wind Waker HD, which, please let Wind Waker HD come to Switch this year. Please, please release Ooh. it. That'd be great. <laughs> Uh, you know that Dead Space is coming back. This was the year that we uh, last saw Dead Space because Dead Space 3 released this year. And uh, speaking of franchises that died this year that still have yet to return, Sly Cooper, Thieves in Time. Bring back Sly. They really... Get someone on Sly. Remember that movie that was supposed to happen that just kind of like disappeared and I don't... I don't know if anyone knows if that's still a it's thing been, or not. Someone stole it. <laughs> that's from thing. my memory. Uh, oh. A lovable Whoa. character went in and stole the movie. Who knows who it was? It's gonna, t- it's gonna take thirty years for Nathan Drake's ancestor to find it in a vault somewhere. <laughs> oh yeah, that's gonna be. That's where this is all going. Wasn't there a? S- no, I was gonna. Wasn't there a Sly Cooper cameo in, uh, in the movie? But no, that wouldn't make sense. Oh, I thought you were gonna say in uh, Ghost of Tsushima. There was in Ghost of Tsushima. Rad. Yes. Um, that movie's going to happen before a new Sly Cooper game, <laughs> which I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, and we got uh, the Stanley Parable in terms of indie games, as well as uh, Gone Home. So, uh, good year, I think, 2013. Oh, and, yeah. you know, it was also a good year to go to the cinema. I'm a fan of going to see the picture mm-hmm. show. I, I think you guys are, too. Did you guys go see that year's best picture winner, 12 Years a Slave? I did not. I don't think I ever saw. I don't think I've seen like the best picture winners for like the last decade. <laughs> just on purpose, or just... <laughs> I don't know. I when you, when you work in a movie theater for like ten years and then you just stop going to movies. That is true. It just feels like work, right? Yeah. You start you start yeah, cleaning up the I'll, theater while you're there. Yeah, I mean, I'll watch like seasons of a TV show in a week, but I won't sit down for an hour and a half to two and a half hour movie. Interesting. Yeah, I used to work at a GameStop, and every time I go in there, I feel like I, I know what to do. Like, I, I you yes. start to see the, the cracks a little bit, 
of like mm-hmm. the shelf should be maintained better. I could fix this for you, but I'm not gonna. <laughs> yeah, do why it. are the used and new games mixed? What's going yeah, on? Yeah, I used to ru- I used to rule those shelves. They were always nice when I at my store. Uh, you basically <laughs> anyway. You have Batman around, detective vision at- as you walk into a game <laughs> spot and a game stops. Excuse me. <laughs> yeah, I call it employee vision, and I accept I'm not getting paid for it. Uh, other big movies this year, we got uh, The Hobbit: The Desolation of Smaug. In uh, superhero stuff, we got the Wolverine, underrated film in my opinion. I like that movie. That movie's great. Uh, the Silver Silver Samurai and what? Yeah, man. And and yeah, and uh, it's cool yeah, it's a good movie. And he gets nuked. Less good movies. Uh, Thor: The Dark World was this year. Everyone's favorite. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. Has uh, it has Lee Pace in it? Um, I don't know. No, I don't know. Who's no who? Never mind. Continue. <laughs> I'm like who's who's in? There's someone who's like a dark elf in that. Oh, you mean um, the person that, that played Malakath, the, the the villain yeah. that everyone forgot. Yeah. Was that just was that Shazam? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> okay, okay. No, it wasn't yeah. Shazam. <laughs> it wasn't Shazam. I forgot who it was. It was not um. I forgot the guy that plays Shazam. Um, but it was not him. Uh, this Chuck. podcast yeah. always devolves into who is or isn't Shazam. It's like <laughs> every week. <laughs> It's what the people listen for. Yeah. You know. Is it Billy Batson? Is it someone else? Who knows? Uh, for a Floridian like me that lives uh, relatively close to SeaWorld, uh, Blackfish came out this year. Uh-huh. Kind of uh, changed the game for that part. A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> Just a little bit. Uh, we also got The Conjuring, one of my all-time favorite horror films. I think maybe the best horror film of the 2010s, personally. Uh, Pacific yeah. Rim. Anchorman 2, The Wolf of Wall Street. Cool last movie. Uh, not wait. Did you that you just made it sound like The Wolf of Wall Street was a colon to Anchorman 2. Yes, Anchorman colon The Wolf of Wall. <laughs> That'd be a very different movie if Ron Burgundy <laughs> was in The Wolf of Wall Street. They share a but I kind of I would just... <laughs> Yeah, I Champ Kind is up there with Leo <laughs> doing the the champagne toast. <laughs> Whammy. Got to uh Sorry, I've watched too much Anchorman in my day. Yeah, the second one, the one that's better, the one the everybody second, likes. Specifically you know, the second yeah, right. one, yes. Of course. Yeah, weird weird year for, for sequels, I guess. Um, and in terms of video game news, not a ton that we pulled. And like I said, we, we've talked about this uh, in our Bioshock Infinite episode. I think the, the biggest news story in terms of uh, gaming, this was, of course, the year that we got the next generation of consoles that is now the last generation of consoles, that being the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One were revealed and launched. Of course, this was the year where if you were an Xbox fan, you were ripping your hair off wondering how are they blowing it so badly mm-hmm. after the awesomeness of the 360, and then they decide to pull all this always online and connect nonsense and media stuff. Happens every other generation. It really does for both companies. <laughs> yeah. It's like they... They spend one generation fixing the mistakes of the previous one, and they do, they overcorrect so hard that people love them, and then they get back and they're like, "I think we can do no wrong now. Yeah, Let's my, blow my it again." Stink. <laughs> the full sine wave, like just up and down every single yes. time. Yeah, I don't. You think you could just be like, "Let's just keep doing the good thing we did before," but no, they gotta. Mm. They always gotta start flying a little too close to the sun in one way or another, right? Whether it's charging five hundred and ninety-nine U.S. dollars or telling you that you need this giant camera and there's no way that these games would ever work without it. Mm-hmm. 
You hear that, Nintendo? You're blowing it by not having 3D screens in every console. That's oh, like bring the back. Switch. That's what the Pro Switch will be. Uh, it's oh. just going to be a giant 3DS. I'd love it. Bring Let's back AR. <laughs> I feel like I'm the only one who liked the 3D screen. I didn't. I didn't dislike it. It's just I didn't use like, it. I would. I would have it on constantly. <laughs> I remember Mario 3D Land being the coolest. Uh, like game to use it with <laughs> it those like, perspective yeah, the, puzzles. I, I thought that was mm-hmm. cool, but other than that, I would turn it on once every game and go, "Huh," and then you turn it off. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I just, I just like having the depth. Uh, but then once like Pokemon games started coming out on it, and it would just like tank the frame rate. I'm like, all right. I watched. Yeah, the, I can't. I'll watch the opening off. to that Fire Emblem game on 3DS a lot because that was really cool in 3D. Sick. But uh, yeah. the actual game, yeah, I'm gonna turn that slider down probably. Exactly. Those tape it down basically. Three D trailers. <laughs> just glue it, tape, and just <laughs> never move it again. It's, it's retired. Uh speaking of successful consoles that launched this year, uh the Ouya. Oh boy. Uh-huh. Graced us with its presence in the summer. The best money I've ever spent. Still playing it. Great. Ooh, you bought yeah. okay, I was gonna ask, like, did you guys ever anyone buy ones? I did not. I thought about it, but I bought Bob, it. did you I bought one. I was absolutely you were the I one. was the one. I saw that Kickstarter and I went, "This, this is the future of gaming right here." They they saw the three hundred dollars <laughs> roll into their bank account and they're like, "Fine, we got Buell. We, we can got feed our one. families. <laughs> we got we got them." Damn, you still use it? Oh heavens, no, uh, no. It it is. I probably used it for approximately two months after I got it, and I went. Oh no! What have I? What have I done here? <laughs> I mean, ninety nine dollars so, gone. Yeah, back, like back in the day, my my experience with it was with the old GI crew, and they would have one around to play just Towerfall. Yes. That was it. It was just Towerfall, and then once Towerfall came out on something else, it was dead. Like no more Ouya. But like it was, like people would bring it around, or at least like have it like plugged in just in case people want to play Towerfall. So. And you know what's funny is that uh the other Ouya game that people talk about that isn't Towerfall, Amazing Frog. Yeah, that frog is thing. like yeah. It, yeah. it's getting ported like now. Like it I is? got like a press release recently that's like we're bringing Amazing Frog to other platforms. I forget where. Fine. But I had a 10-year deal. Like what happened there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it, I, I don't think it had been ported anywhere else or maybe maybe only to PC. I don't know, but I, it was weird to see that name again. I was like, "Oh yeah, this was the only other game that people that seemed like noteworthy on the Ouya." Mm. <laughs> uh, I I've never played it, so I was like, "Maybe I'll check out that that port yeah, to whatever." Yeah, relic. Um, but yeah, you know, the Ouya, rest in peace, or I think Razor, last I checked, bought it, and I guess they still have it. Uh, sure. What a, but those terrible controllers. Oh, God. They were so yeah, those bad. things were more like, they were basically just weapons the more than anything. So yeah. boxy, yeah. and like all the batteries went in one side of it, so it just felt like it was dragging oh, it just down. Yeah. Oh, really? Uh, Wait, that? I didn't know that. I believe it's not, that's They don't right. just go in the back? They put it in the handles? They put it in the handle. You have to like take Why? the face plate off to replace the batteries. It was such an, yeah, un- yeah, yeah. <laughs> an unsmart design. <laughs> <laughs> they they made such a big deal about like, oh, we, we spent... 30 years designing this controller we it's the perfect shape every it fits every hand uh the ergonomics and the weight <laughs> wow yeah, that's uh they missed and the mark a little now they're still around just a little bit <laughs> yeah, it's a tiny bit 
Well, you know what? Cut some costs. <laughs> we'll close out the news section a little early because, again, we've talked about 2013 before. So let's jump into the development of DMC Devil May Cry. How did Dante get that black mop top of his? John, take us through it. He was born with it, baby. Uh, yeah, so uh, Capcom, uh, the publishers of Devil May Cry for this game. They make video games. They make video games. They they make capsule mm-hmm. computers. Like Power Stone and, and Marvel's Capcom 2. And I, that's about yeah, it, I think. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, Rival, Rival Schools. Schools. Real good. Uh, all, all the games that you could play readily mm-hmm. right now. Um, so after the... Uh, relative success of Devil May Cry 4. I think it sold somewhere between like two to three million do- or three two to three million copies. Um, they decided that now was a good time uh, to hand off the reins to another company and give Dante a whole new look and feel. And so after uh, kind of like looking at, well, they really they wanted to skew closer to like a western demographic uh because the like comparatively for video games the the japanese market was shrinking uh compared to uh what was going on in the western market because this was the time that uh kg and afune was going out there kind of banging the drum of like hey we japanese developers really should start like working with these western guys more we can't be in this bubble like we have been forever like that he was kind of on that like that 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 platform for about like two years up to this point and i think he was like right like i forget what his title was at calcom at this time uh like brand manager or like global brand something like that he was he was, he was pretty yeah he yeah. was up there um so yeah like keiji inafune was uh really putting like uh <laughs> wow i can't i can't think of words <laughs> right now uh, KG Inafune was spearheading this this project to get more of their uh, Capcom's games uh, to sell better for a Western audience. So uh, they wanted to bring out a new Devil May Cry. They uh, saw what um, Ninja Theory had been doing. Uh, Ninja Theory, uh, as uh, Marcus mentioned before, uh, is a uh, studio from Cambridge, England. Uh, they've been around uh, at this point for about a decade, a little bit less. Um, they had originally, uh, just a little history on the studio. They were uh, opened up. Uh, they were founded by uh, by Tamim uh, Antionidas, uh, who Marcus mentioned earlier. I also probably butchered his name. Uh, Nina Christensen and Mike Ball um, founded the company uh, as Just Add Monsters. So that was the original name of the studio. Uh, it's a very, very 2000s name. Uh, af- they were shortly uh, after acquired by Argonaut Games, and they released their first game, Kung Fu Chaos, for the original Xbox, uh, which was like a Kung Fu party game thing, uh, 3D arena brawler. Hmm. Is Chaos spelled uh, with a K? Uh, oh, no, it's uh, not. How chaotic can no. be? Yeah, come no. on. They it's, dropped the ball there. Come on, just that monsters. Come on. So that's why they uh, they bought themselves back uh, from from Argonaut, and uh, then they started uh, making stuff on their own uh, until they were almost uh, overcome with uh, bankruptcy problems, 
where uh, Sony, of all of all companies, swooped in and helped them fund uh, the first big game that they're known for, uh, which is Heavenly Sword, which is a, uh, a character action game for the PlayStation 3 that released in, was it 2007? Seven. It was like an early, one yeah. of the early PlayStation 3, like, third-party exclusives. Like, it was one of the first yeah. games I had for the PS3. It was basically like a second-party exclusive. Yeah, I guess so. Um, they funded it, right? They funded it, and yeah, that wasn't going anywhere. It was like they were making a big deal about, like, the cell processor and the facial animations and just animations in general. Yeah, which looked amazing um, at the time. I remember being blown away oh, by, yeah. like, the facial capture, which has kind of been their bread and butter since then as we've seen like hellblade right. now yeah yeah you can see little traces of where they're going in every single one of their games it's a fun path to walk yeah. down you know it really is um so they they come out strong with heavenly sword but it's criticized a bit for its simplistic uh combat design it is very pretty but you know it doesn't hit as well uh, as everyone thought it would. Um, a couple of years later, in 2010, uh, the company released Unslaved Odyssey to the yeah, West. Enslaved. Enslaved, sorry. I don't know why I put Unslaved. Enslaved. Um, Enslaved Odyssey to the West. <laughs> it's now Unslaved forever. Um, which is like a, a platforming action game uh, with like some puzzle elements. Uh, it's based on like the Journey to the West mythos, um, which also didn't really hit that well. They it it had a lot of the same impressive elements with its motion capture and its character work. Um, really, like reviews, it didn't review well, if I remember correctly. But yeah, or did a lot of my friends like swore that this game was amazing yeah it's become like um, a cult fix i think yeah i've seen the same thing like people said it was good or okay mm -hmm. but the people that like, like it really yeah. like it yeah they are into it they're they, they're like you need to play and slay it i have not that is the only ninja theory game since they have been known as ninja theory that i have never played and i own a copy of it and i have for years but i still have never i have played more bleeding edge than i have played <laughs> of Slay. oh no i forgot that exists <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so they, they released Enslaved, and just about when Enslaved was going to come out, it, it wasn't out yet when the deal was struck for Ninja Theory to create Devil May Cry. Yeah, and apparently at DMC. this time, um, the, D, the, like, the core Devil May Cry team at Capcom, like a lot of the key members had moved on because they were kind of fatigued after releasing 4 and just wanted to work yeah. on other stuff. Because, uh, like, you know, uh, Hideki Itsuno, who had directed Devil May Cry 2, 3, and 4, he had moved on mm -hmm. to direct Dragon's Dogma at this time. Mm -hmm. So he was, you know, he was done. And some of those key Devil May Cry uh, veterans had either just moved on to other projects within Capcom, or some had left to join Platinum and worked on Bayonetta, which came right. out in 2010. They followed Kamiya. yeah. Yeah. And so like they're like that team it just kind of started to drift off. And this was kind of like a weird sort of um period for the Devil May Cry series where really nothing was happening, but like Dante was showing like they were using Dante, like the character and just different other like cameo things, right? Like like Marvel's Capcom mm. three and, and like what was yeah. the 
What's the, what was that strategy game that had all the Capcom people, like oh, characters like Phoenix Project Wright and stuff? Cross uh, oh, uh, uh, pro- yeah, Project Cross yeah, like yeah. that stuff. Where they're like, oh yeah, we're using this character, but it, I remember I, like during these years being like, so are we ever gonna get DMC five or what's going on here? It's been a while. <laughs> Which uh, even this Dante has a fun cameo in another game, um, hmm. which we'll, we could probably talk about a little bit later. So, um, yeah, there's there's some stories about like when Ninja Theory was taking this on, and actually, it's from uh, one of the stories I have is from uh, the lead combat designer Ronnie Tucker, um, who was working for THQ uh, before then, yeah. working on like licensed in titles, Australia. I Apparently she, she moved to work on this game without realizing right. that she was working on Devil May Cry. <laughs> like there's wow. like, right, yeah. So like she she uh, applied uh, for a position at Ninja Theory, and uh, they they liked what she was doing, and they're like, hey, uh, so we're hiring you on, and you're gonna be working on Devil May Cry. I thought I was gonna work on Kung Fu is... Battle Royal Two or whatever that game was. <laughs> yeah, or like Enslaved Two, Unslaved. <laughs> That's gotta be a weird surprise of like, whoa, Devil May Cry. Also, wait, you guys are doing a Devil May Cry? Yeah. And I, <laughs> a real one-two like, punch there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and so like she got super hyped for it and started. Uh, playing like old Devil May Cries, uh, playing Bayonetta because Bayonetta is really the the big competition at that point. You have Kamiya making a game in like the same genre that he popularized. That Devil May Cry is floundering in a, a little bit. Um, so she she checks out Bayonetta. She checks out Street Fighter just to get in, like inspiration for combat and whatnot. And because of her work during the pre production stage of the game. She landed the lead combat designer role, which is pretty neat. See what um, doing your homework does, kids? <laughs> right. Uh, play your Street Fighters. Play your Bayonettas. <laughs> play Devil May Cry. Include the, the more yeah. you know <laughs> jingle here. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, please, Marcus. Edith, Edith. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, so I guess we could talk a little bit about the, the combat design while we're here. And that is uh, Ninja Theory, like its previous games, wanted it to be a, a, like e- easier to access for newcomers to the genre. So there was they still kept like the same core tenets of the Devil May Cry combat. There's you you jump, you have a light and heavy attack, and you have your guns. Um, so those are all mapped to their own buttons. But there's uh, ways of, like, launching into air combos a lot easier. Um, By tapping the heavy attack button, you can launch uh, an enemy. But if you hold the button, Dante jumps up with them, and you can continue on with your your combo. Um, But also for the the more experienced players, the people who want to style more, uh, you could do all of that just as well. Like it, it's very flexible and doing cool yeah. stuff. Yeah, something I really liked really... about it too is a lot of the combos, even uh, among the different weapons mm. that you know I'm, I'm sure we'll get into, but were basically the same combos. You basically have to remember, mm. you know, triangle, triangle, pause a second, triangle again, and that's going to be a combo for just about any weapon that you get, or it's you know tap toward the enemy and tap triangle twice and 
you do an attack with three different weapons, a slightly different attack each time. So it, it makes that learning curve way easier. You can put the game down for a month and come back and go, oh, yeah, I remember this. This this riding a <laughs> yeah, bicycle. It has a good feel yeah. to it. Yeah. Um, they also added, like, different uh, visual flourishes to Dante's attacks to kind of let you know when to, like, hit the buttons. So, like, the edge of his sword will sparkle or something if you if you hold off on the combo for that last button hit um, to know when, when to hit it. So there's that. Um, you have uh, demonic weapons and angelic weapons. And, uh, Bob, uh, let me know if I'm correct on this. They are determined by what trigger that you're correct. holding. Yeah, any, any, okay. anything yeah. blue so one, and one heavenly is... is on the left, and anything, uh, you know demonic i suppose is on the is on the right trigger yeah exactly just just like real <laughs> exactly how that's how that's how i said it that's how i set up my rooms is uh this is the evil side of the room this is the the, the mm-hmm. holy side exactly. yeah. that's what my youth pastors just say like how often are you pressing that left trigger seems like you've been hitting the right one a lot <laughs> wait what is it in uh in mass effect uh, Paragon and, and, and Renegade? No, yeah, but but yeah, is it is it Paragon on the left and Renegade on the right? I don't know. Ooh. Maybe the new Mass Effect, they'll just rip that system let off. Let us know. You could just like... Write, write us a five-star review and let us know. <laughs> if you shoot someone while holding the, the good trigger, that means it was justified. <laughs> Who was right. on the left side of the face-off poster? Now, let's think. <laughs> is Caster mm. Troy an angel? <gasps> the subtext. My goodness. <laughs> But, but which face is it? Like who's under the face? But I love this system, and what's cool about it is that they basically borrowed from uh, Ikaruga, because some Ooh. of the enemies could sure. only be damaged by a certain type. Like like this dam- this enemy can only be damaged by angelic attacks, and they mm-hmm. would be I, if I remember correctly, they were kind of color coded or like they had like a visual hint to like okay, I can only use demon attacks on this one. And so, like, when you're fighting enemies that are, like, mixed like that, you're kind of, like, switching between them a lot. And but the game, like, you know, the grading system would reward, like, mixing up your demon and, and uh, angel attacks. And mm. it was super easy to do. And I remember just, like, it being so much fun to uh, kind of get into that rhythm of going, like, back and forth between them. Yeah. You feel like you're doing such a great job, even though you're probably ostensibly just, like, L2, mashing triangle, R2, mashing uh-huh. triangle, uh, couple <laughs> couple gunshots in between, and then switching back up. But that's that's kind of one of the joys of this game, is how, how intuitive it really is to just pick up and play and, and feel like a total tough guy while you're defeating dozens of demons. Upwards of dozens, I say. Um. You also had different kinds of weapons for each of your uh, angelic and, and demon weapons. Uh, and you could flip through those with the D-pad, I believe. Um, so uh, I know, Marcus, this is usually your your thing. Um, talking about what kinds of weapons are in the Devil May Cry games. Yeah. Um, but uh, we do have the return of Rebellion. Yes. Which is, which is nice. Um, but you also have Arbiter, which is like a demonic axe. Um, and then you have Eric's, which is a uh, fiery pair of gauntlets uh, to get some fist cuffs in, because uh, that's what Dante is also known for these days. Um, it's always having like some. Is he? Does he always have a gauntlet now? 
Yeah, you pretty much have them in okay. basically every game. Like the I, for for a second, my brain's like, "That's Kratos." <laughs> I'm like, oh, you're thinking of <laughs> they have Mike not given him blades of chaos. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's it. That's it. He has a, a star punch. Um, and then his angelic weapons. You have Osiris, um, which is uh, a scythe or a sickle. A scythe. It's a, it is a full yeah, scythe. Big uh, old this scythe. picture is making it look very small. Yeah. And it's worth pointing um, out, I don't think we established, that the reason Dante has these abilities in the first place and that is that in this game he is half angel and half demon as opposed to being half demon and half human like he traditionally is. Right. A, a Nephilim. That's what a Nephilim, like you are in Diablo. Yeah. And the co-star of Blue Stinger. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Who could forget? <laughs> it's, it's a good callback. Game Informer All-Star Blue Stinger. You know it, you love it. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and then you have Aquila, which are uh, dual wielded uh, angelic weapons. They they look like uh, glaives. I like those um, ones. Those are those, those are the ones that you throw. Cool. I think right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Those are really fun. And they kind of like round up enemies as you go through your combo. So yeah, you, you do that, and then you switch to like your your big punch or your big axe, and you just hit nine of them in one swing. It feels good. Feels real good. Um, as for ranged weapons, you have Ebony and Ivory, of course. Uh, I, I believe people would riot if you did not have that. What if they switched um, the have, guns, like the colors, what? to like they switched to hair? Like, what if it was Ivory and Ebony? That Ooh. one's supposed to be Ebony. <laughs> like, I would like they do that just to, try, to see the people, like, if they would notice, like, wait a second. <laughs> the left gun is black, but it's usually white. <laughs> Cancel the pre-order. Cancel the pre-order. <laughs> Cancel it. They have to be stopped. <laughs> Uh, and then you have Revenant, which is a shotgun, and then a uh, an explosive needle gun uh, called Kablooey. That thing was so weird. Uh, what a cool name for this, like, <laughs> that's, that's... attitudinal game, Kablooey. Also, Kablooey. you don't get Banjo that Kablooey gun until, like, the fifth to last mission. Like, it never comes up. Uh. Truly, you'd use it for, like, one challenge mission or whatever, and it's like... I'm never pressing up on my D-pad to switch to this. I'm sorry. Yeah. You think it's because they were taking forever to decide on the name, and then they just said, screw it, it's just Kablooey. <laughs> <laughs> just name it after the sound it makes. <laughs> we ran out of names. Um, so yeah, that's all, that's all the weaponry in The Devil May Cry, the DMC. Um... I don't know. Is there any anything else you guys want to talk about with the the combat uh, in this game? Uh I mean, other than that, it's just really fun. And I think again, uh, I think uh, one of the big things this game built upon from Devil May Cry Four were the uh, the grappling hooks that mm. Dot, uh, Dante has. Because uh, the big the coolest thing about Devil May Cry Four combat was uh, Nero's Devil Bringer, because you know it was this arm that could ex- extend and it could bring enemies to you, so it was great for closing mm-hmm. the gap, and it was really fun to combo. Especially when you're in the air, you could just bring people airborne with you instead of knocking them up first. Where this game takes us to the next level because you get two grappling hooks, and one can bring people to you, and the other one can bring you to them. And so mixing right. those up skillfully, like you are like zipping around all over the place, or people are just coming to you, and I had so much fun with that, and it's something that they've um, they've never really replicated. I mean, they've kept the idea of it because you know Devil May Cry Five. Obviously, Nero is back with his his devil arm, but they've never they haven't done the like dual wielding 
uh, hooks mm. or grapple hooks like they did in this game. And it's it's something I really hope that they uh, revisit again because I, I think it's my favorite element of this game. Yeah. Yeah, that, that is really neat to have that option. Um, yeah, I, I completely forgot that that was part of it. That's that's a yeah, that, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. And I think also uh, like just for the um if you're any this is John, um mm-hmm. like like when people ask like why is this game so different? Like why is it not like the old Devil May Cries? And a lot of people mm-hmm. point the finger at Ninja Theory for that, but really it was Capcom yeah. that like Capcom. Ins- yeah, that insisted that yes. they go as far the other way as possible because they wanted Devil May Cry to be to be different and like mm. to their credit they gave not only did they give uh, Ninja Theory kind of creative freedom to do what they want but they would like anytime they brought them anything like you know we could probably get into Dante's design here yeah because yeah, um, yeah, absolutely like if you want if you ever looked at his concept that. art that, that that has been out there for his original design he went through a bunch of different iterations there's like an older looking one that kind of looks like Geralt um there's like a little bit yeah, yeah with with short hair he's got like a like goatee a... and everything and you're like mm. okay and there's um but there's several versions that look pretty close to what he normally looks like and capcom straight up said like no don't do that <laughs> and like yeah like that is not yeah. what we want the, the, yeah the like, quote i heard and you know who who knows how attributed this actually is to someone but apparently capcom said something to the effect of if we just wanted you to remake this game we would have just made it ourselves. like do something different <laughs> yeah well i thought uh, as a quote from uh christian uh christians vinson who was a uh, capcom's vp of strategic planning he told uh ign in an interview okay. in 2012 about the original concept saying uh the original concepts that came back for dante were actually extremely close to the dante everyone knows and loves the feedback that came from keiji and afume and hideki Itsuno was no, guys, this needs to be completely different. We need you to go much further and be much more creative. Wow. So apparently uh, uh, the Dark Knight was one of the inspirations. Yeah. Like in terms of like, what if we just, how can we ground Dante in reality mm. as much as possible? Mm. Uh, which is an interesting uh, choice, like, but I definitely. A, a lot of it, a lot of it's in his hair. A lot of it's in his clothing. It's more comfortable streetwear than it is like uh like cosplay design i guess like, <laughs> like super anime uh, like cots like yeah. that normal dante as he has that anime look yeah like. yeah and so like i was i was i was watching a, a gdc presentation from uh alessandro T- T- tiny uh he was one of the the uh art directors on on the game or one someone in charge of the art of the game and uh, he was saying that they wanted his, they wanted Dante to speak for himself and like show his own attitude and not have what he's wearing uh, exude the the super rude attitude that that he's supposed to have. So uh, I guess for like character work, uh, that's probably better um, to to have your character actually portray the thing that he's supposed to be himself instead of. Uh, just having loud outfits. Yeah, because his outfit is very simple. It's what, like a tank top, it's fine. pants, boots, and, like and, a, a, and a coat. A lot of gray. That's, that's a whole it. lot of gray outside yeah. of his yeah. uh, his guns and his coat. Yeah. Which, also, rewatching the opening cutscene to this game, oh, they, you know, you, the scene when he's in the trailer in. and he's yeah. naked. 
Yeah, they're like doing the like you know the the, the classic like we're not going to show his dick, so we're going to put a bunch oh, of stuff yeah. flying in front, put, put pizza, pizza in front of him. Pizza, remember this? But <laughs> he loves pizza. I don't think it registered to me until I rewatched this, but the entire game, Dante is going commando because he just puts on pants. He doesn't he put, put on, on underwear in that scene. He just slips on some pants and then just goes on his adventure. Uh, Unless Limbo gives you like boxers or something, yeah. <laughs> Every time mm. you pass through, it just it's a rule. He's there. as free as the wind <laughs> as he's uh, slaying demons. Yeah, I don't know. Does that make him cooler or, or like more attitude? I don't know, but definitely more attitude. <laughs> cooler. I'm gonna I'm gonna say the jury's out on that one. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you know, obviously with Dante's redesign, um. Mm-hmm. People were, uh, what would you say, up in arms? Uh, angry? Peeved? What, what's the most accurate way to describe the, the reaction? To, to... Uh, internet toxicity? Yeah, yeah that's, yeah, uh, toxic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was a rough time on Twitter. Yeah, basically. A, a, a day to log off. Yes. Uh, in case you were not around for this time or were not following this game, people were furious. Like, yeah. furious <laughs> to see... A black-haired Dante that looked like mm. some like hot topic kid. That well, like the the first design that they showed was uh, like eighty percent of the way of to where Dante ended up, but he was like very scrawny. He was pale. He kind of looked like I guess like V a bit from Five. Like very, he didn't look physically up to the job of slaying demons you look malnourished uh, <laughs> look malnourished uh yeah and, and um, beat up too because remember like that the kind of famous first like render of him where he's a like the mug shot with him holding the limbo city yeah his face mm-hmm. is just like messed up like he just got into like a fight and people are like what the what do you what have you done to my dante mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean that's how i was at the time like i said of like I don't know about this, guys. And like you said, John, they were pretty much like, what, like 80, 90% of the way there? Like, it, Yeah, they just had to buff him up a bit. Yeah, they buffed him up, and they kind of softened his face a bit. Like, you know, he didn't look yeah. like he had just smashed his head against a wall before <laughs> <laughs> starting the game. He kind of just looked like you know, a little bit more baby-faced, I guess, a little bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this uh, this reaction was no joke. Like, it kicked off a unfortunate period for the studio where they were getting legit just death threats from people like on the regular yeah. um but but once again not ninja theory's problem this was all capcom's yeah. doing for the yeah. most part like it is their direction uh ninja theory was just following through on what their uh what their contractee was yeah, doing they, yeah and they wanted or to do it like it, it like this was their design that they went with and right, stuck to yes, it but yes. like yeah the original edict was from capcom of like no go the other way with this please they wanted different um, they whatever you want different uh, absolutely yeah there's a great uh quote that i found from the visual art director uh alessandro tani talking about because like you know despite all the the rage at the design got uh capcom or, or rather ninja theory they didn't back down like they didn't you know, cr- like change course or, or buckle into depression. Right. Like, sorry, we'll give you the. Because remember when um this was around the same time. Remember when Infamous Two was first announced and that first Game Informer cover where he had like a full head of hair. Oh yeah. And people were like I'd upset like, about no. that. Like that was the only real change. Like he looked pretty much how he looked 
in the final product, but just he just had a full head of hair. And people were so upset that eventually uh, Sucker Punch gave him the shaved head that, you know, he was known for. And that's like nothing compared to what the, you know, Ninja Theory did with Dante. But, you know, despite the the vitriol they got, they stuck to their guns. And uh, Alessandro Dani had a great quote uh, in regard to not caring, saying, As an artist, you're a little bit selfish. You think about what you like. We were happy with the result, and so was the client. If I like something, and I don't hear any complaints from the people paying my wages, I'm okay. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I gotta respect that. They, they made something that they felt very proud of, and that the person paying them felt very proud of, and so they're gonna keep going mm. with it. I, I, I respect that a lot. And it really, in hindsight, uh, a decade later... It doesn't. Yeah, matter. it doesn't matter <laughs> as out. much. Like he's right. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's perfectly fine. I mean, that's a good attitude that I always keep in mind, even for my work. Of like, you know, I always, I I respect opinions of our readers, at least the ones mm-hmm. that have constructive things. But at the end of the day, I have always kind of valued my peers a little bit more. Like mm-hmm. if like if my boss or people I respect say it's good, that's good enough for me. Really, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I love that, but yeah, you know, Dante would uh you know, keep on trucking with this look. And and you know, just the mm-hmm. whole game, like the, the entire game's vibe just reflects that direction. Um like talking about the uh the story is a lot more, you know, and we'll get into detail about this later, but like it's a lot more grounded in sort of like politics and like like more real mm-hmm. world issues than the other Devil May Cry games are because you know the other ones are just like pretty superfluous well, i guess the demons are acting up <laughs> yeah right like it's just anime like oh, we're gonna fight this angelic god guy i guess and make a bunch of jokes pretty, and eat pizza. Hey, that's pretty cool though it is cool it's just yeah to fight my brother at the top of this tower <laughs> always cool. pretty neat but yeah the, but with this, this game sorry to cut you off uh yeah this game really does lean into the the social media of the age uh it attacks certain cable news networks in very very not so subtle ways um and i don't know if their their point their overall like you know hey get a you know if you take anything from this game it's this message i don't know if that sticks 100 percent of the time but it, it's a refreshing change up from just like a victorian gothic european architecture mansion you know what i mean hmm yeah it's uh totally. i mean it, it, the whole game is basically they live hmm. like when you really yeah. think about it because yeah. the idea of like you know we live in this our reality but i it's actually uh there it's a demon world that exists in parallel with our own and you know we just can't see it but you know we're being subtly influenced by it and you just got to be able to see man but only a select few can see what the world really looks like and you know like corporations are actually demons and like we got this energy drink that's you know, really popular, but it's slowly making you more susceptible to, like, I guess, like, indoctrination and, like, it, it tackles, like, government surveillance and it, it, it goes, so, like, it really goes for Cast it. Cast a wide <laughs> like, net, for sure. Yeah. The slurm factory. Yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot in there. Uh, <laughs> like, it, it just need like, I, is Dante Roddy Piper? He's, yeah. <laughs> is he just Roddy yeah, Piper in this game? He's all out of bubblegum, you know? 
That is true. And they did the I'm they did the death yeah. loop thing before death loop with all the 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 writing on the wall telling you where to go or mocking you half the time. Yeah, kill him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I guess let's get into some of the the visual choices with uh, Limbo and everything, everything in this game. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Ninja Theory's take on the world is that it's always kind of aggressive towards Dante. It's always trying to take him out. And so when you get into fights with uh, with demons in the demon world, like the the landscape changes and the buildings kind of like close off uh, like escape routes and move and shift. And the whole world is out to get you. Um, literally, it is the like every every building, every bridge, every everything is shiftable and movable and will will close in on you at a moment's notice and it's very very cool oh uh, but yeah. you do have those those uh those like lines of text that will show up in the world uh to kind of tell you where you're going it's i i feel like this happened a few times in this era um where where things were showing up on like walls on on floors uh was like alan wake doing that uh or something along those lines. I can't remember. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, this would have been the year showing that, my ass here, but I mean, this would have been the year that the Stanley Parable happened. That had some mm-hmm. of that, you know, mm-hmm. but you know, in a satirical sense, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, this is also like in, next to the grappling hooks. This is also the thing that I love about this game is the the city attacking you, which apparently was inspired by Devil May Cry 3's combat. Like the way it would, you know, when you go into combat, it kind of closes you off from the rest of the world. So it kind of mm-hmm. felt like the world was against you of like, no, you gotta, you're stuck here and you gotta fight these guys. Good luck. And just blowing yeah. that up. Like, yeah, what if it was like just openly hostile and <laughs> trying to kill you? And like the sort of like obstacle course stuff where you're just running and, you know, things are, buildings are like shooting at you and like walls are forming and the ground's breaking and you're having to react at the last second as you're using your grappling hook. Uh, which is important for traversal too, because you're using it to mm. uh, propel yourself through the environment and to reach distant points, is really cool. And I think it's still one of the coolest things in video games. And I remember just even on a technical standpoint, thinking about how impressive that was. Yeah. Uh, like seeing like, because it was from what I remember, pretty, you know, pretty seamless. Uh, and also just like just the uh, artistic creativity and seeing how they would twist their worlds to to like facilitate this stuff was like really well done yeah. and, and again it's another thing i would love to see return in a future game or a sequel if that ever happens yeah. <laughs> there, there was one standout level that really well other than the whole news channel level which we'll we'll get into but mm. uh there was one where it was kind of the, the floors were like stained glass and the the end goal that you had to get to was like like 50 feet away it was so close but every single time you jumped to reach the next platform the stained glass would like extend to be like 200 feet so you're running across <laughs> and you're like grabbing to to the next ledge but it's extending out so it's basically like the you know it's the the Wallace and Gromit sketch where they're they're making the railroad track as you're running uh and it's like it it, it just felt so good and so seamless and just like you were saying you're grappling from this and that and the other and taking demons down as you go feels great and it's it was a a great yeah first entry but it feels like there was so much more that could be 
could have been. I don't mm. want to close yeah. any Remember doors. Remember the, uh, uh, the the club had a good one too. Oh yeah, where, where like the music would change, which is another thing with this game too. To go back to the combat, is that the uh, soundtrack changes depending on how well you're doing. Like it intensifies the higher your score goes. And I think if you break into an S rank, you'll get like lyrics, like you'll get vocals, and you, you'll hear the like or whatever. You know, that's my my death metal guy voice i don't know i love it <laughs> but uh but that club stage had the uh it would play around with that where like the i think the stage would kind of change to like the beat and stuff yep or whatever and you would see the kind of like sound weight like the frequencies or whatever um like they really like for like only getting one of these games they did a good job of what they had of like changing that stuff up based on the stage no 100 percent yeah, uh, Bob. Since you played it recently, you want to tell us about the uh, the the news? Oh, thing? sure. And yeah, so uh, there is like a central antagonist to this game, and it is uh, kind of a, I guess, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but it is very much a, a Fox News right wing, uh, angry man on TV figure yeah, like uh, who is uh, uh, he has a deal with demons. Or is he a demon I think himself? He is a demon? When I say this, I've replayed I it like he... a couple weeks ago, and it's not quite okay. Clear. I mean, yeah, he, so he, if he turns into like a thing, because I I was assumed yeah. he was. Plus, even like his human form, he had kind of like a he just looked great. like he looked unnatural. He kind of had like the Men in Black, like the roach and the <laughs> human body, kind of like where you like there's oh, something sure. off about this guy. Yeah. yeah, like kind of his name was a Bob Barbus. The news channel guy, mm. uh, you know, what was this thing of like, I'm just doing can't God, trust those just bobs. Doing, you can never, and I can't agree more. Yeah. You can't you trust think? those bobs. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, there, there's a full couple of levels actually, where you are like, not, you not only have to get to the TV station, but then once you get there, you basically enter the television world and you're, you're basically traversing through like, you know, the, the, interstitials of a news channel like that you know think of your head of this real bombastic news channel and the spinning globe and the big logo and the red white and blue uh you know lower thirds that are on there and you're just platforming from kind of lower third to lower third as you need to get to what is essentially a talking head boss fight uh it is so good like just i remember it being my favorite boss fight just visually in the game which there's a lot there's some really cool fights in this game but yeah that was the standout yeah, i mean yeah you, you don't really expect devil may cry to just like sidestep the demonic stuff and go straight into like what at that point is like saints row the third territory 100 percent. yeah so yeah yeah no it was it was far and away my favorite part of that game and i really enjoyed it so uh and, and i think it really holds up i have to say uh, I remember liking it a lot back in the day and mm-hmm. replaying it uh, for, for this show. I said, wow, this is this holds up better than I thought it would. Maybe not all the cutscenes, really... but <laughs> the gameplay itself 100% holds up. Yeah. Uh, other... <laughs> so the cutscenes don't really hold up this day and I age. mean, the... 
in hindsight, it's a did they, little... Do they hold up about as well as the average Devil May Cry game cutscene? Probably. Much. Fair. <laughs> yeah. Like, this That's... this dialogue is... It was always cheesy, but it's aged like milk. Maybe. Yeah. Like, I, I, I wrote down a couple real real hitters from here while you're fighting the news channel uh boss uh, bob Bar- barbas uh, uh dante has a quote that says segue into this and then grapples and punches him <laughs> in the face which is quite good i bet it sounds cool it. when he says and it. then uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh and then there's a, a succubus boss as well who's talking trash to you the entire time and he Again, Dante goes, hey, succubus, suck on this, and then just does a flying drop kick right to its <laughs> nose, like, gold, gold. I mean, this is, this is the same guy in the right. very beginning of the game before he puts on his pants but no underwear that, like, answers his door naked. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he meets Cat, you know, this woman we'll get into for the first time, and he's just like, he's like, hello, here's my junk. Who are you? Which is like, that's probably like, I mean, not probably, that's problematic. Uh, yeah. <laughs> probably yeah. Like, uh, he would be canceled these days. Yeah, that, that's basically like sort of sexual uh, harassment <laughs> at the very least. You don't want to greet your Uber driver like that. <laughs> um, you're like, but you know, at the time you're like, this guy is so kooky. Or like, this guy just doesn't care, what I guess. What a cool yeah. dude. <laughs> yes, what a cool dude answering his door cool completely <laughs> naked. I'm going to do oh, that. I wish I could do that. What pizza? So Dante just does things that people should you do. <laughs> you know? If there is one person to pattern your life around, Dante's probably low on the list. <laughs> Especially this version of Dante, who's basically like a slacker guy. Like he doesn't, because he does not have his business or anything. Mm-hmm. He's literally no, just, he's just wasting his life. He's out in a trailer. Out in a trailer. <laughs> yeah. Goes to strip clubs. Uh. Yeah, that's about the characterization you get. And, 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 and kills demons. That's pretty much it. Dante's the coolest. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's something else. But, you know, I will say, despite all that, yeah, from a pure characterization standpoint, I think this is still my favorite version of him. Like, I, I, I love classic Dante, but I like him more like the way, and uh, who was it? I think Reiner had the best description of describing Dante as a Ninja Turtle. And I think that's, that hits the nail on the head. It's like it's the yeah. same appeal of a Ninja Turtle. Whereas this Dante is still that, but there's a lot more layers to him. Like the times when he's serious and the game gets serious, like there's they do a lot more with that character, like rounding him out emotionally when you, you get into like his family history and, and mm. the relationship with Virgil and kind of coming to terms with like what he is and his legacy. Because again, they established that like, up until the time the game starts, he's pretty much has just been coasting through life, like just not living up to like his potential and just not caring. Uh, and you understand kind of why when they go through his backstory of like, well, he kind of has never had a reason to because he's kind of been dealt a crappy hand. Uh, mm. But, you know, when, like watching him kind of like acquire a sense of like responsibility uh, I remember thinking was more compelling than I, I thought it would be. And it was the most engaged that I think I've ever been with a Devil May Cry plot, which I can generally take or leave. Like, they're fun, but I, I really rarely ever care about, like, the why of why Dante is fighting a thing. It's just like, yeah, okay, sure, whatever. <laughs> You're like, whatever he has to kill this time. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, just go with it. <laughs> you know? This demon's how big? Okay. <laughs> I right? stab it. Okay, uh, yeah, we got this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, regular regular pistols work great. <laughs> 
But yeah, did you? Uh, uh, I was gonna ask though. Did you have any other uh, things you want to hit on, John? About the yeah, uh, the only other thing that that I wanted to hit on was uh, so going into the 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 making of this game, Ninja Theory apparently didn't uh, have access to Capcom's MT Framework engine, right? Uh, which was what they were using a lot at the time for building their games. So they did have to go with Unreal Engine three, which I. I think at the time, like we, I mean, we've had a good generation uh, of Unreal games with Unreal Engine 4 that's been um, pretty easy to work with and portable and all of that uh, to, to different consoles. But 3, three was, uh, it, it took some power to run. Um, it, it did not run optimally a lot of the time. So yeah. I learned uh, Unreal 3. That's what I used did in, you? In, in college. Uh, did you make familiar. any Unreal maps? I made some. Well, made nothing that anyone would want to use. <laughs> but I made bring it some. up. We're, we're gonna we're gonna pull up on a pull it up on a stream. We're gonna play whatever whatever game you made back in college. If you're in the interest of sabotaging your game, you can I can hit you up with some assets. I guess. A- absolutely. Am I ever? Um, <laughs> um, I'm all about self sabotage. Um, so they were using Unreal Engine 3. This was the first Devil May Cry game that actually ran at 30 FPS. Yeah, which was another um, thing that levels. people were furious about. Like, yeah. the, the this was a lesser controversy to the appearance thing, but it was another, like, yeah. w- like pile of wood on the fire of, like... Because, you know, the the other games, I I believe, hit 60 or... or on, yeah, on or, they were, or they were super close. Like, yeah, the PS2 games were, were there. Um, I think even Devil May Cry 4 was hitting 60. Yeah, so. so when news got out that the console version, at least, of this game would be locked at 30, because the PC version, I believe, hit 60, and the PC version came a little bit after. But yeah, yeah. that was just another That's thing correct. of like, what are they doing? <laughs> this is a Devil May Cry. How am I going to get my combos off? Um, I need to hit my one-frame legs. Um, there's... <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it was definitely a controversy at the time. And uh, these days I am more on, I'm very much more on the side of games need to be 60 frames per second than versus 30. Uh, but also at that time we were getting much more 30 FPS games. I don't see uh, how it should have been that big of a deal. Um, it's, it's more understanding now uh, looking back. Uh, but the subsequent re-releases on like Xbox One and PS4 did crank up the performance back up to 60 FPS. Yeah, the uh, definitive so, edition, yeah. which is yeah. the version you should play if you've never played this game. Yeah, uh, which is probably the only version you can play these days on on consoles yeah. and on PC. Which, so. which I true, think I... led to a very funny couple of moments in that game because uh, I, I replayed it obviously with the definitive edition, the new the newer version, mm. and. Uh, as enemies and bosses will come on screen like a little it'll freeze frame for a second and like their name tag will kind of appear across the screen and in this version i don't remember it being on the original Mm. uh it it probably was there i just you know don't recall it but on this version i think because the frame rate is ramped up that name tag title will appear for comically like a quarter of a second and then disappear so, like, a boss will have this giant, ah, like, they'll show up on screen and have this giant epic entrance, and then their name tag will appear for an eighth of a second and then disappear. And I was 
what it, what did you play it on? Uh, PC PS or console? PS5, but it's a PS4 version. Oh, PS5. Okay. Um, okay. I can't guarantee that was due to the frame rate, but I can't. <laughs> I can't imagine that's it, what it was intended. Well <laughs> yeah, uh, and that's why I was asking if it was PC because like you could have been running it even higher yeah. than sixty, and it would be comically fast because of that if it was uh, clocked to the frame rate. So. Frame rates are weird, and and how games are built around what frame rate it's supposed to be running at for very integral parts of the game mm. sometimes is odd. Uh, go try to play Skyrim at above sixty FPS, and you'll know what I mean. Mm. Um, it makes just a quick aside. It makes the cart at the beginning flip endlessly through the air. <laughs> Um, everything breaks if you go over 60 FPS in Skyrim. I want to so. see. I want to see a 60 FPS dragon now. <laughs> go go see a 61 FPS dragon. See that thing flying, <laughs> just like zipping across. <laughs> Every yeah, for whatever reason in in uh, in Bethesda games, uh, I think even uh, Fallout Four uh, can't you can't go over 60. Otherwise, uh, things just break. Yeah, not Starfield though. That'll be the we'll one. See, I mean, it'll probably run at thirty on consoles. <laughs> nope, they're doing it, John. They're doing all right. It's gonna right. happen. Well, I swear. Let's call up Todd, and we'll we'll get his word. <laughs> You're gonna all thousand planets Mr. or whatever. Howard? Sixty FPS. Sixty FPS. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Excuse me, Mister Howard. <laughs> I think the um, I think one of the last things I want to touch on for the development is again mm-hmm. kind of stressing, um, or or getting into uh. Itsuno's involvement with this game. Yes. Because obviously, like we mentioned before, he was busy with Dragon's Dogma for a lot of it, but he uh, was very involved because he oversaw a good bit of it, and I always wondered how like how much hands-on or, or what he contributed, but it sounded mm-hmm. like he was uh, on board like pretty much the entire way in terms of consulting and, and, going, and going to see the game and, and giving advice. I found a, co- a quote from, uh, from Alex Jones who was one of the... Uh, which which, which Alex Jones? Uh, no, oh, not that. Okay. <laughs> no, not not the guy that Bob Bardis was based on. Um, we, this is one of the producers of the game, Alex Jones, uh, talking about just the collaborative relationship between Ninja Theory and Capcom on this game, uh, describing it as an intensely collaborative relationship, especially mm. in the character department. And he goes on to say that I can't tell you how painstakingly and intensive it is. We are there three to five days out of the month with core creative from previous DMCs, most notably Itsuna-san, who was, of course, the lead of DMC 2, 3, and 4, saying that he has done a huge knowledge transfer over the past two years working with these guys to make sure that part of the game, or that part of the game, in terms of the character stuff especially, was up to the standard Capcom believes a Devil May Cry game should achieve. So, again, anyone right. that, I don't know, likes to, that maybe doesn't like this game or jive with it much, that blames Ninja Theory entirely, you gotta pass on a lot of that blame to Capcom, or praise for that matter, if you do right. like that yeah, stuff. They, they did help keep like the combat up to stuff. Like, that, that, a lot of that is in, in Capcom's court, of like pushing them to tighten that up. Yeah. Again, like the the, the, dev, the devs that had worked on DMCs that were still there were uh, in pretty much regular communication with the, uh, you know, like you mentioned Ronnie before and, and I guess her mm-hmm. team to get that stuff up. Which, again, I, I think this game is, the combat is almost 
perfect of like that perfect balance of making it more accessible while still not sacrificing the depth and and strategy and difficulty that a lot of fans uh, come to these games for. It it mm-hmm. I don't know if they could have done a better job, honestly. Uh, so hats off to them, and it makes sense hearing how closely both companies work to get that get that right. Yeah, um, you see that that relationship these days in Nintendo a lot, actually, with like Metroid Dread, uh, which is made by Mercury Street. Mercury Steam, but Nintendo was very closely involved in the in the development of it, and like the the Metroid producers, right? Um, and and something like uh, Smash Brothers, like Smash Brothers is made by uh, Bandai Namco, uh, but you have uh, Sakurai hanging out with them and and directing them wherever they need to go, right? So yeah, and it's sometimes Disney saying like, yeah, just put Sora in Smash. I don't care. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Hey. Uh, no. No one important would get mad about that. <laughs> exactly. Just take him. There's no storyline here. Just go. Yeah, it's uh, you're you're fine. No need to uh, talk to his creator. Um, I think uh, if you want to move on to story, we've kind of towed around it a bunch. Do you want to go into the narrative section of this, Marcus? Yeah, I like we mentioned before. This Dante, half angel, half demon, Nephilim, and in this version of like the the mythos, which is still pretty similar to the original mythos of you know him and virgil being the twin sons of sparta who was a legendary demon who rebelled against the demon world uh lord mundus who was the antagonist of the first devil may cry is the uh villain in this game he's reimagined as a like business corporate man who looks like not re-watching these cutscenes. i was like he just looks like the Kingpin from, like, the Daredevil show, actually. <laughs> He's Michael Chiklis. He's just Michael Chiklis, actually. <laughs> <laughs> or Michael Chiklis. Yeah, he gives off both of those vibes, and I, I appreciate that. It, it works for Mundus. Um, but the the, I, the the lore goes, and this is something that uh, Virgil fills in to Dante, is that, you know, when they were born, and uh, Mundus, or rather Sparta, rebelled, he took on... A, like a the sword. With, say again? I said, like the sword. Yes, like like the sword. He rebelled, and then he, he, he Yamada, I don't know how to use him, Yamada. <laughs> he Excalibur-tude <laughs> into. <laughs> <laughs> but he, uh, he got with an angel named Eva, again, mm-hmm. same name as their original mother, and they had twin kids, Nephilim, and in, uh, I guess, I don't know, biblical legend nephilim are prophesized as being the only beings that can strike down the mundus so mundus knowing that eva had a child was afraid and was like i'm gonna kill that kid but he only knew of one of them which was dante he had no idea that virgil existed uh which is kind of where the game starts because uh one of the demon hunters finds adult Dante and it's like ah there you are now I'm gonna tell Mundus and now we know we're gonna we're gonna rain hell on you basically literally uh, and so Dante gets he pretty much goes his whole life unaware of this eventually he meets Virgil who is the leader of a uh, sort of like a resistance group called the Order uh, who you know Bob Bardis and the demon powers that be have branded them as terrorists to the unassuming public mm-hmm. and uh he, uh, Virgil has a right-hand uh, woman named Cat, who is uh, the first character you kind of encounter. That's an ally. She's a human, 
but she also possesses uh like psychic powers that allow her to see the demons whereas like again the average person they're completely in, you're completely invisible and oblivious that there's even a demon world she can mm-hmm. see this stuff she can see limbo which is the realm they reside in and she recruits dante to like hey you know your brother needs you to you know help us out with our cause and then virgil pretty much fills him in on his life and dante gets down with it he's like hey you know I, this makes <laughs> sense right yeah you know you visit their like childhood home and you know he kind of gets caught up to speed on everything that happens and so the three of them just kind of work together i want to say that i also i'd forgotten until i was rewatching these cutscenes. i really like this version of virgil and i remember really liking it at the yeah. time but i'd forgotten how much i liked this interpretation of virgil what do you guys think of him i i agree J- kind of just like how you were saying about dante before like yeah this version of him even though the you know, the the meter is slid up uh, quite a bit. It also gives him the most uh, depth of just about any version of Dante from any one game at the very least. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I would say the same in some ways applies to Virgil here, too. He's a very cool, you know, underground leader, kind of Fight Club-esque in, in some ways. <laughs> That's what he told Dante. The first rule of the order is we don't talk about the order. We don't talk about the order. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he just, he has that same, like, again, he's still, like, the polar opposite of Dante and him being a lot more serious and composed, but also, and this game got me, too, because, you know, the moment you see Virgil, you're a Devil May Cry fan, you're just kind of, like, you just kind of set the countdown clock on, like, when's he gonna, when's the mm-hmm. turn gonna happen here? Mm-hmm. Um but they hold off on it for a long time to the point where I was like, months. maybe it doesn't happen in this game. Maybe because everything else is so different, you know, maybe they're like, no, nah, actually, you and Virgil are cool now, at least for this game. Um, but, you know, eventually Mundus uh, captures Lilith and this leads to like a trade where um, because uh, in response, Dante abducts <laughs> Mundus's concubine, who is like pregnant with Mundus's kid <laughs> yep. and threat, you know, so Mundus doesn't want anything As that happened do. there. We've all so been like, there. Hey, let's trade our... <laughs> We've all had to do it. <laughs> time to time, you know? your, your pregnant uh, mistress getting kidnapped by a demon mm-hmm. boy. <laughs> At least <laughs> twice a week. Big sword. He's like, I, I've, I've learned how to deal with this. I got the formula <laughs> down. <laughs> but this leads to a trade where uh, Virgil says, nah, and just straight up mercs this concubine, which kills Mundus's unborn child. Uh, mm-hmm. Cat escapes, but Mundus is furious you know and this comes after you know you go around killing mundus's dudes like you know you've already beaten mr newsman at this point mm. um but mundus's rage is so strong that it basically weakens the fabric and like of reality and the barrier separating the human world from the demon world to where uh eventually they uh are three heroes wind up fighting mundus and they basically trap him uh, in the human world, like they cut him off from the demon world to make him mortal, so that he can die basically, and they succeed. They team up on him. They they kick his his behind, and then I calls the entire demon world of Limbo to collapse into the human world. So now everyone on Earth can see demons for the first time, and hysteria ensues. Right? Because it's like, oh, what? Just demon man in front of me now. This, this is, is this is a very cool cutscene r- right toward the end of the game. Uh, right after this happens, where it's just a, a, a 
a bunch of shots of different like tweets and social media of just like, is anyone else seeing this? Or like, is hashtag demons are real or what's going on here? Just like over and over and over and over in different squares. Very fun. Who has time to create a hashtag when that's <laughs> happening? Like, I gotta, I gotta get the sap there. Hashtag just hashtag. demon things. And it's just it's, someone being eaten. The <laughs> demon Some, TikTok challenge. <laughs> There's TikToks of people doing dances, and then a demon appears in, behind you gotta them. Hit, you gotta hit your your uh, your moves. Yeah. It's, What's a TikTok? <laughs> what, what do you, what no, you got this? it. Yeah, maybe demons invented TikTok. Everything else, sure. they had that energy drink, and maybe everything is, everything's demon. Everything's demonic. It turns out, can't trust mm-hmm. anything, uh, including Virgil, because this is where the other shoe drops. You kill Mundus. You're like, hey, we did it. Except, you know, we got these demons running around, so that's a problem. Mm-hmm. And then Virgil reveals that his real plan was that he is now going to rule over the human world. Now that Mundus is out of the way, because in his mind, he thinks that humanity needs to be cleansed. He's like, hey, you know, me and you, Dante, we're not like these people. We got, you know, we're Nephilim. We're technically above them. And this world is not going to get better unless mm. we, you know, do some cleansing, if you will, of the of the bad variety. Um, he also straight up just disowns cat because she's just like a person yeah. she's a human yeah. yeah she virgil pretty much goes full magneto at this mm. point really <laughs> should have seen it with the white hair yeah, that was the tell it's right. a problem yeah um, actually it's fu- it's funny that virgil did not get redesigned whatsoever in this game he is just virgil yeah he pretty much just looks yeah the same pretty much which Paisley jacket um very nice dapper sl- slicked back white hair Nice I katana. Was say, same exact sword, I think. Same yeah. katana. Yeah, he's pretty much the same. Uh, which I guess I, I guess kind of like. Is that like another like subtle point of contrast between the two of them? Like that's their whole mm. deal is just they're the polar opposites of each other. So like, even from a design standpoint, like we went far the other way with Dante Virgil. Yeah, not so much. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yes. Um. But yeah, this leads to the big fight between these two, which I guess would be the first time in this continuity that they've ever battled, which I remember being a really fun fight because that's what a Dante versus, Dante versus Virgil fight should be, is like over the top and, and challenging because Virgil is you, basically, so he should be super hard. Mm. Uh, but, you know, Dante triumphs. Uh, and during this moment, he unlocks his full demon potential, which turns his hair white permanently because um, um, i don't think we mentioned this but uh the devil trigger for this game um dante doesn't turn into a demon because again he has not tapped into his full power yet but instead he just kind of like glows his coat turns red and his hair turns white so that's like the only bone that they <laughs> threw <laughs> to fans after well, they well, threw one one early bone to fans and but that's, that was uh, more like a mocking like i it is <laughs> but we haven't mentioned it so there is a point early on in the game where uh a a white wig falls on Dante's head or is it is it part of a mop or like I think is it's it a a never wig. fully explained okay. which makes it even funnier like where it even came from <laughs> the but, origin but, of uh, the wig it lo- it looks like garbage like they make it look like a terrible wig and he's he pulls it off and just goes never in a million years yeah like he checks himself out in the mirror as a monster's coming at him but he's got time to really like examine himself like is that cool oh, like I'm fascinated with this for some reason oh, only to be like right. nah. uh 
But yeah, but like Devil Trigger. him. <laughs> but Devil Trigger, it does turn his coat red and you get white hair for a bit. So it's a. I, I always thought that was like a cool oh, nod yeah. to, I guess, classic Dante. It, it also um, engages but, you in know, a really cool art style. And if, anytime you Devil Trigger, like the whole world turns like black and white except for any red in it. So everything is just like black, yeah. white, red. Very cool. Very like Sin City kind of vibe to it. Uh, it was. I, I forgot how cool that was until you unlock it and you're like, oh, I'm going to start using this more just to see what these bosses look like in this cool kind of art style filter. Yeah, I don't think we've stressed. I mean, we have, but I can't stress enough how cool the art design in this yeah. game is. It is really good. It is super cool. <laughs> uh, it's not talked about enough these days. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Dante has permanent white hair now, so he's going to have to live with it if he hates it so much. <laughs> and uh, He could dye it. And this just is for what, men. Yeah, and this is one of the scenes in this game that was talking about how much I like the like the characterization where he's kind of like, you know, he's beaten his brother who is not dead, but he kind of just kind of, t you know, he, he limps away in defeat and, and shame. You know, he, he, he takes his leave um, and Dante doesn't really know what to do with himself because he's like, yeah, I beat my brother who just turned on me. So, like, you know, this one guy I opened myself up to completely stabbed me in the back. And also the world is being ravaged by demons. That's a problem. Uh... I don't know what to do, basically. Like, who am I still? And I think there's a, like, cat who's, you know, there with him just kind of says, like, you're Dante. No more, no less. And I remember really loving that line. Like, I don't know if the way she's delivered, but it's just such a simple, like, you don't, like, basically saying, like, don't worry about what other people want you to be. Just mm. do what you feel is right, you know? And just be, do you, man. And Dante decides that doing me is uh, protecting humanity. Because, you know, I guess that's, you know, what my dad wants, and my brother didn't want that, so I'll do it. And, you know, he kind of resolves to protect uh, humans from all the demons, and Cat joins him, and that's the end of that story. Oh. However, there was a DLC that came out later called Virgil's Downfall, and it picks up right after this game where you play as Virgil, and uh, also Virgil, very fun to play. I don't know if you got. Did you guys play Virgil's Downfall? No, I didn't. I didn't either. No. Okay, it's worth revisiting. I think it's on that. I believe it's on the definitive edition. It's not a it long. Is. Yeah. It's not long at all, but it like he plays super fun. Like you know, like he was fun in the Devil May Cry Three yeah. special edition. He like again seeing Ninja Theory's take on him is it's pretty fascinating. Um, but that entire game takes place in in limbo, where Virgil is kind of uh he's kind of being led by the voice of his mother. And he's kind of facing demons, but he's also facing these illusions of Dante and Cat. And at this point, Virgil is just like vengeful, where he like he's he's encountering these like these spectral versions of his his old friends, and he's he's killing them because he's so mad. Like he like kills fake Dante, and he does this and other stuff uh, to the point where like the spirit of Eva is horrified by what Virgil has become. And just kind of, like, leaves him. Just kind of vanishes. And at this point, Virgil, like, this is kind of, like, where he kind of completes the heel turn. Where he pretty much just accepts the darkness within him. And, like, is cool with it. He has his Anakin Skywalker moment. And then he finds his way back to the uh, the real world. And he, all the demons nearby start bowing to him. Because they kind of accept him as, like, his new, the new king, I guess. Ooh. And, you know, it sets up, like, oh... The sequel is going to be like, all right, now we got fully bad guy Virgil with like a demon army. And that's what Dante has to deal with. 
which was really cool. But unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> as of 2022, uh, we have never gotten a sequel to this game. Uh, you know, we got Devil May Cry 5 a few years after mm-hmm. this, uh, which was, you know, back to the the, the classic series. Um, yeah. But... Yeah, I I really like this story. I again, I think it, I, it's my favorite Devil May Cry story. I think it's the best Devil May Cry story, which is in a high bar to clear, to be fair. <laughs> but <laughs> I again, I, I like Ninja Theory. They really went for it with this. Like they really came up with a pretty compelling, I think, narrative for these characters that really have gotten by without really needing that. You know. Mm. Because they weren't really written to... Like, even though Capcom has tried... Like, Devil May Cry 3, I like that story. Um, but it's still just like, eh, whatever. It's kind of like junk food a little bit. This one, I was like, oh, I'm actually, like, legit engaged. But, like, I felt like... I felt bad for Dante when Virgil turns. Like, you knew it was coming, but you're still like, that son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> <you're> like, <laughs> I don't know. What do you guys uh, stand on the story overall? I, I think it's really cool. Um... It, I mean, like you said, it is a, a pretty low bar uh, for storytelling when it comes to Devil May Cry games. Everything is very paper thin and and uh, surface level anime cool. And like, yeah, there there are like explanations for like who people are and why they do things, but like none of it's none of, none of it has any substance. So I, I I think handing this to Ninja Theory and having them have more well thought out uh explanations for the world and uh like limbo and how everything is affecting each other and how these characters interact is is a a very very cool uh rendition of devil may cry yeah i gotta agree i i I really enjoy uh the story overall and and again Mm -hmm. it's it's not without its cheesy moments but i think this game knows what it is enough where the cheesy moments are played for pure camp but the serious moments they 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 get a you know they got me staring Mm -hmm. at the screen going oh oh this is this is getting real now um i i think it it lands exactly what it's uh, going for and more than anything i'm kind of disappointed there is no sequel because i think they place the story in a really interesting place uh right Mm. at the end of the game especially with this lack of limbo and you're in the real world and uh you know it would be a really fun change up in compared to this game but yeah i don't i don't like the odds and and we should yeah we should talk about that real quick too um one of the reasons why we don't think that there's gonna ever be a sequel to this game is because uh well capcom would would probably have to handle it themselves Mm. Um, and, and take over those those story threads because Ninja Theory was purchased by Microsoft back in 2018 and is now under the Xbox Game Studios brand. Um, so they are taking care of the new Hellblade uh, Senua Saga. Um, they are they are doing their own thing under the Xbox banner. So if there is ever a sequel to this game, I would I mean, I would hope that Ninja Theory would be involved. You think that um, and they that there would be some sort of partnership. I mean, Microsoft is pretty open to yeah. uh, releasing some games uh, on multiple platforms. It could even just be an Xbox exclusive. Like Capcom does have, um, they have like Devil or not Devil May Cry. Uh, Dead Rising Four was an Xbox yeah. exclusive. 
Yeah. For a bit. And they outsource, uh, like, like the idea of a third-party studio that is mm-hmm. owned by a publisher, but also... I'm trying to think, like, would that prevent, like, an independent publisher like Capcom to be like, yeah, you guys are owned by someone, but, like, we're going to let you use our IP again for this game? Because it's our IP. We can do what we want. So if we want to go to any studio, even when it's Mm -hmm. owned, like, if we work something out. Like, I know that's – it seems like that because I – like, you mentioned before, like, even Itsuna, there was a quote where he brought that up saying, like – because apparently he loved working with – Ninja Theory on this. He, mm. he actually uh, uh, Game Informer. You might have heard of him. <laughs> we had uh, in 2018. Uh, Serial Vasquez shout out interviewed Itsuna, uh, talking about Devil May Cry. But he brought up uh, DMC and kind of asked Itsuna, was like, you know, what was your what's your take on it and how was it developing it?" And Itsuna straight up said, and I quote: "For me, DMC is one of my favorite Devil May Cry games, if not my favorite." Wow. He, like wow. he loves this game apparently, and also said that um, apparently they looked at it for some inspiration for Devil May Cry Five, uh, saying again, quoting, "We learned so much from Ninja Theory and DMC. That was a collaboration between Capcom and Ninja Theory. I went to Cambridge every once every couple of months to work with those guys, and we learned so, we learned a lot from them. And you want to talk about stylish Ninja Theory? Those guys are style incarnate, man." What they did with DMC, <laughs> that art, those animations, that is real style, you know? So we took a lot of uh, what we learned from that. And it also straight up said, like, you know, we love those guys, and we'd love to work with them again someday, but they're under the Microsoft umbrella now, right? So we'd have to clear that up with them first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Call up Phil. Uh, get him on the phone. Be like, hey, we just want just want to borrow Ninja Theory for a good, like, two, two to five years. Uh, to develop uh, DMC to Devil May Cry TWO. Yeah. And I think the other thing, too, was, like, even before Ninja Theory was uh, purchased, uh, apparently uh, DMC didn't quite meet Capcom's sales expectations. Mm, Yeah. Uh, So I think that it had a little bit of that working against them. Um, I know when DMC 5 came out, I I forgot, somebody asked uh, Ninja Theory, like, oh, you guys feel slighted that they just kind of were like, we're going to go back to the old thing now. But apparently uh, they said they were cool with it. You know, that, you know, they, at the time they considered uh, DMC the best game they'd ever produced or yeah. put up at that point, which I, I'd yeah. agree with that. Probably. Uh, it might still be, honestly. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I'm not, that's no shade to like Hellblade or anything like that, but I think it's still their best game so far. Uh, but, you know, the, the Definitive Edition, like we mentioned before, came out and, and did better. And in general, this game was, again, for all the hate and all the controversy around it, it was reviewed well. Like, we gave oh, it a 9 well. out of 10. Yeah. It, uh, there were similar scores to other outlets. It's sitting on, like, an 85 on Metacritic right now with the Definitive Edition in the same range at an 83. Um, the Definitive Edition, again, we if you have not played this game, that's the one to go because it runs at 60 and they added... Uh, like, they fixed a lot of uh, sort of, like, bugs and, and things that were wonky about uh, the original game and added the uh, bl- uh, DLC, like Bloody Palace, which came uh, later in, in, like, a hardcore difficulty mode. Um, and it feels like in the years since then, you know, it feels like the the legacy of this game has kind of... It, it's becoming more and more appreciated. Like, they added this Dante's, like costume to devil may cry 5 
Like, you can have Dome McCry 5 Dante with black hair and wearing this Dante's coat, which mm-hmm. is a pretty cool look if you've never seen it. <laughs> um, and I, I believe the same thing with the uh, Devil May Cry 4 Special Edition, same thing. Um, and, yeah, like, hearing Itsuna, like, the, the high praise that he has for this game and how it apparently played a big role in, or had some uh, inspiration for what Devil May Cry turned out for it. Like, I, I, I don't like to say never say never, but I, I feel like it's got a lot working in its favor, even with the Microsoft stuff. Like, and again, you mentioned Phil Spencer being pretty open about that stuff. I could yeah. see him, you know, the, like wanting to sit down to tables. Like, yeah, let's let's work this out. It's like we, we have the money; we can get a team together. We'll hire up for it. I mean, it also depends. I don't know who's still at Ninja Theory who worked on this. Like, I feel like some of that DNA would have to be there as well. I think that team, I mean, I mean, definitely um, uh, Tamim is still there because he's, a, okay. you know, he is, I believe, directing Hellblade 2. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. It just, yeah, let me, what do you think is more likely? We get a sequel to this game or uh, we get Scalebound Revival mm. since Camille was talking about that recently and wanting to <laughs> wanting to talk to Phil about making that happen. This might be more likely. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm gonna go with Scalebound, Ooh. actually. I think uh, just because Ninja Theory is kind of working on their own things now, and if uh, the developer who is working on Scalebound wants to do Scalebound, that sounds like an easier proposition. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I might lean Scalebound because it's like, I mean, assuming they save any of that stuff, done. they have some sort of foundation. I, I, I would imagine they probably start from scratch more they or less kept but the dragon model and the headphones that's and all that you need it. yeah they're like these Those are, are the only two things. pillars of what this game is they can't they gotta be there <laughs> um, but yeah dmc devil may cry i think a game that is it's weird is it underappreciated is underrated because they got good score but i think it's still a little polarizing for some people i think there's people that mm. are not even think i know at least at the time i've met people that have refused to play this game out of principle yeah. because of how like yeah, it's, you know it's they're like i love devil, devil may cry and this isn't you know hashtag not my devil may cry so even though i would tell them like this game is fantastic they're like nope white hair dante all the way and i i feel like there's probably a lot of people that have that same stubbornness and We're, i think that's a shame honestly <laughs> We're here to tell you he gets there eventually. <laughs> we just yeah. told you actually. Yeah, if you were listening. Actually, yeah, early. Yeah, uh, but there, there's but such a yeah. There, there really is such a great game at its at its heart here, um, and it, I think it's always going to be looked on as the uh, you know the outlier, the black sheep of the the the, the crew, and probably for for good reason. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean it doesn't have maybe the tightest gameplay and best feeling action out of all of them uh i think partially maybe because they're not beholden to what came before uh they they were allowed to just say hey let's just make the best game possible for 2013 regardless of what came previously in the franchise we can strip away all the stuff we don't want and keep all the things we do want and i think that gave them a sense of freedom that uh that really shines through uh yeah, and I think it still respects the legacy of Dante oh, yeah. Cry. Like, there's still a lot of those familiar mm. story beats. Like, like I said, the origin of Dante and Virgil is basically the same. <laughs> Just swap out human for angel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, you do, know, do you work. think Dante Prime wears underwear? Oh man, you know, 
you, you probably you, probably not right probably not maybe probably that's not. secretly like maybe that's like in a design document for dante that they were like <laughs> They're like, you can do anything you want with Dante except for this. He needs <laughs> to go commando. Don't model any. Not even a hint of a waistband. Yeah, can't. If I see a hint of a waistband no. peeking out, you're done. No, no speedos, no nothing. Just he's just free balling, man. Mm-hmm. And you know, we respect him for it. Virgil probably wears like five underwear. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. He wears chastity belt. <laughs> yeah, all he's that. Pre- I mean, he is pretty uptight. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in, in in every way. Um, but yeah, this was fun. Uh, go play Double McRae or DMC Double McRae if you haven't. Definitive edition if you can. Uh, yep. Thank you for joining us, Bob. This oh, was a lot this of fun. Was absolutely uh, tremendous. Thank you guys for having me. Of course. Absolutely. Anything you want to plug? Uh, yeah. I mean, if people aren't uh, sick of my voice yet, uh, I have a, a podcast I'm very proud of called 99 Questions, uh, where I interview uh, some some amazing people uh, from all walks of life in the D and D realm in the acting realm, Hollywood. Uh, if if you're familiar with this show, uh, maybe one Marcus Stewart was on a previous episode of this show. Uh, uh, the Dan Reicherts, Jeff Corks, Alex Stadnicks, Blake Hester's of the world. Uh, it's uh, covered with people. Ninety nine questions if you're interested. Uh, but that's all I have. And, and truly, guys, thank you so much for having me. Uh, I love what you guys do with the show. So uh, it's uh, it's really cool to be on. Thank you. And again, you. I can attest from first-hand experience. It's an awesome show, and you should uh, listen to it. Um, so yeah, social media plugs. I'm on uh, Twitter, if you want to follow me. I'm at MarcusStewart7, which is the number seven. Yep, uh, I'm on Twitter at John underscore Carson. Oh, then, uh, I'm on Bob? Twitter at Bob B. Backwards, which is a name I didn't realize was tricky to say until I'm saying it now. It's B-O-B, the letter B. And backwards. If you got three B's in between vowels, you're That's doing it right. Oh, you're doing the Jeff Jarrett. B O triple B. B triple B. Where was that? Where was that an hour ago? Too busy getting guitars smashed on me to think of it. It's yeah, it's fair. That's fair. Um, I I just want to take take the moment to uh, for our listeners, if if this is your first time listening, and if you aren't subscribed, please subscribe. Uh, if, uh, and listen to you. The wealth of previous episodes that we have, we've covered series like uh, Metroid, Halo, Uncharted, Bioshock, the entire uh, Super Giant Games collection, uh, and then obviously we're on we're on Devil May Cry right now. Um, and uh, if you also if you if you subscribed and you like it, uh, leave us a review. Uh, that'd be great as well on whatever service that you're listening to us on. Yeah. Helps a lot. And it's up at a uh, podcast the video gameography subject line. If you have any uh, comments, concerns, feedback, yeah. corrections, always nice. Let us know. And, you know, shout out to the Game Informer Discord, our video gameography channel. Thank you so much, guys, for your your feedback, your your, your compliments, your patience <laughs> as well. Yes. For uh, in case episodes take a little longer than we intend sometimes, but we appreciate you sticking with us. It's, you know, a lot of love for you guys. And, yeah, so we're coming up on the finale next time. Right, John? We have yeah. one game left. Uh, the old DMCV. The, 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 uh, uh, you, you'll wait forever for uh, your turn at the DMCV. See, I was going to say, like, there is a V in that game. We're going to be mm-hmm. talking about him, as well as uh, Nero and, and Dante and all of our favorites, because Devil May Cry 5, the final game of the Devil May Cry series, our season finale for season 6. 
is coming up next. We hope to see you there. Till next time, let's rock. Let's rock, baby. <laughs>one of my favorite band says when they play an instrument they immediately explain themselves by the way that was a guitar solo i just did for those unaware Dunno. just points to it guitar <laughs> thank you john bon jovi i'm mr bon jovi i played a guitar <laughs>